0: The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM1420 The Answer or Sela Media Group.
1: When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.
2: Good afternoon everybody. Beautiful day out there. Hope you get outside. Hope you're cruising along in your car with the top down right at the moment listening to me. So, hey, let's start talking uh you know before we talk about the markets. Let's let's talk positive. Successful people begin where failure leaves off. Never settle for just getting the job done. Excel, Tom Hopkins by the way. The foundation stones for a balanced success are honesty, character, integrity, faith, love and loyalty. That's Zig Ziglar. I know the price of success, dedication, hard work, and an unremitting devotion to things you want to see happen. And that's Frank Lloyd Wright. He knows a thing or two about success. And then your true success in life begins only when you make the commitment to become excellent at what you do. And that's Brian Tracy, one of my favorites. Uh, it's amazing. Um when you think about some of the, the uh, quotes that come off at the beginning of the show, I, 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 spend a lot of time looking, you know, for good ideas. And, uh, I, I thought success was a good idea right now because a lot, there's so much controversy in politics. I can't even, I, I can't even turn on the TV anymore sometimes. So anyway, uh, look, I was looking at the market and I was listening to Lori Calvacina this week, who's our head strategist. But before I get into that, this is a live show. So if you have a question, the number here is 216-901-0945. Let me do, repeat that one more time. 216-901-0945. So if you've got a question, please call. So, look, I, I I think we're in a situation where there's some things you need to know. I think there's a, you know, we have outlined a couple different paths for the S&P 500, uh, their earnings per share, anyway, in a recession. Based on the trends in recent uh, recessions, we suggest a valuation case for the S&P 500 could be made on the forward next, e- next year PE if the, if the recession is short-lived, would be around 3,200 on the S&P 500. That's still a ways away from here, okay? But investors are seeking out clues on what's been de-risked, and we've been highlighting why the risk-reward for small caps has improved. And note the Russell 2000 valuations returned to levels that often mark uh, the low, okay? And that happened last week. Amid uh, intense shifts in sector leadership and recent trading, i.e. oil got whacked, and we said, you know, oil would probably sell off for a while, a couple weeks ago. um, The defensive sectors are now close to peak valuation. Uh, Now, their dividend growth portfolio, they're going to pull back. The question is how much, and I don't know. And, you know, if you take that versus secular growth and cyclicals uh, and how energy strong move up in early 2022 is out of sync with the typical recession drawdown and how fast they I mean, most of the energy stocks corrected 20 percent last week uh, after hitting new highs the week before. So it's been a strange, uh, strange time. And the midterm elections are starting to emerge as a potential uh, catalyst for the U.S. equity market. Now, uh, everybody thought the Republicans were going to lead the way, and then this Roe versus Wade thing hit, and uh, I think the Supreme Court handed the, uh, the Democrats a, a lightning rod, is what they did. Uh, now, institutional investors' sentiment appeared to get uh, closer to a bottom last week, which was very positive, uh, as what we're seeing is some of the, uh, the CFTC data, that's the commodity futures uh, program. Uh, positioning among asset managers as well as a stabilizing trend in performance. So that's kind of good. Um, but the, the, the valuation case for the S&P 500, uh, it, you know, if they do go into a recession, 3200 would probably be the low, and we're we're still a ways away from there. But one of the things that's very positive is small caps. You know, small caps have done nothing since 2014. They've been in a bear market since 2014, they have literally got whacked. So uh, that'll be easy. You know, uh, uh, that'd be an easy way to make money because a lot of these small caps are trading at cash value or book value and stuff like that. And and don't, you know, they just, nobody's paying attention to them. They've all been paying attention to FANG and to the larger cap growth stock. So we'll see what happens. The problem is we're stuck on uneasy street, Okay stock markets haven't been able to shake off the volatility. And it looks like uh, the testing period may drag on for a while. And, and I think there's four issues that you got to look at. And, and number one, we have higher, stickier inflation. And that's because, you know, I mean, Congress has a lot to do with this, and so does not the Fed. First, the Fed was late in, in in recognizing the inflation. And Congress, you know, threw $4.5 trillion out into the market. That's a 40% increase in the money supply. You're going to have inflation if that happens. So it's going to be stickier than we, I think, most people anticipated. But, you know, we're going to, the second thing and and why the volatility is going to stay there is because we're going to have more aggressive front end loaded rate hikes. I mean, three quarters of a point, we haven't done that in almost 30 years. And if we do another three quarters, we haven't done that. I, I mean, the last time I saw half, 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 was when Alan Greenspan uh, became the Fed chair and we had the 1987, what we call a crash. So so we have a greater risk of recession, I think is the third point, And it could be a potential hit to earnings. You know, uh, but remember, even 1987 was part of a long-term secular bull market. We got overvalued. Greenspan put an end to that very quickly. Boom. We were right back into a buying mode. Uh, and that was scary. Don't get me wrong. I'm not uh, a big fan of that, but <laughs> there we go. So um, now most people saw the CPI is very hawkish. It's a very hawkish print a week ago Friday. And the market sold off 10%. I haven't seen that in a long time, in a week. So uh, investors were losing their patience. So the the Fed. And Powell, who said he wouldn't do more than 50 basis points, does 75, and you know that's that's a big problem. I think so. Look, the case is strengthening that the inflation drivers peaked. All right. Now I don't know if they're coming back hard, but they may have peaked, and that's the key. Uh, so inflation versus recession, I guess, is what we're de- you know we're dealing with, and the question is, is the Fed good enough to back off? And stop it. So, you know, the markets the markets are focused on neither half empty nor worse than half empty. I guess, uh, you know, if, if you know what I mean. So, uh, so we have a choice: we have infl- inflation or recession. And if you ask me, both paths are a path to ruin uh, if we let them happen. So, uh, you know, it, it's going to be difficult. Uh, either inflation wrecks the economy or the recession wrecks the economy. And, I don't, you know, who knows what. But I think the key is, is that we were at the top end of the trend line on the S&P 500. And from the top end to the bottom end, unfortunately, is 22%. So it's a wide range. And we've seen that a couple times in these last decades uh, where we thought we were going into a bear market, but really what it was was a correction. This is a bear market. Okay, so we're going to go from the top of the range. And it looks like we're going to go to the bottom of the range, and it, it's coming soon. So if we don't hold, uh, it would be the first time in history that, uh, you know, in modern history where a bull market did not last uh, for a full 17, 16 to 18 years. Now, there's been a couple undercuts, you know, like 2020 was an undercut, but an only undercut for a week. So on a weekly chart, that's, you know, an undercut still – Still a bull market, all right? So keep that in mind. Now, you know, we just went through a period for a whole week where the, the equities had no bid. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I, I had a guy sell his, a lot of his stocks, and I, I told him not to do that. And uh, he wouldn't listen to me. He just hung up the phone on me. So, I, you know, he, he tells you to do that. You got to do it. And uh, he was not getting good prices because there was no bids out there. All right, um, and I I talked to him about it, but you know, whatever. So I guess the question is, you know, Bob Dickey always used to say Bob was our head technician for a long, long time. Rob Schleimer's taken over for him, and they used to ask him, and all the, uh, at, at, you know, we used to have him in town all the time because he's a great speaker and people like to listen to him. And they asked him, well, doesn't this affect earnings? Doesn't this affect earnings? Doesn't this affect earnings? Doesn't this affect earnings? And he said, no, earnings affect stocks. So whatever earnings are doing is where stocks are going. And he said, you know, the president might have something to do with it, but he doesn't, you know, earnings, it's how the corporations run. So corporate earnings, and I guess the question is, where do they go from here? You know, we have declining investor confidence right now has led stocks lowers, but estimates have held." steady. Something tells me that that's not going um, to hold, but not all so- signs here are pointing to declining earnings. Growth sectors are still wrong, but they were at crazy valuations and, and inflation. When inflation goes up, P-E ratios go down, and they had high P-E ratios, so they went down a lot. Now, I'm going to suggest something here. Uh, A a couple things. Number one, um, first of all, you know, know, one of the things that people are not paying attention to, I think, is you have to look at all cap growth. Okay, Um, you know, you really want to be paying attention, I think, uh, to all caps, because we don't know, you know, if Lori Calvacina is right about the small caps and she was a small cap strategist for a long, long time. Okay very bright woman. Uh, will, will it be the small caps that lead the way? Will it be the large caps that lead the way? Maybe it's a combination of all of them. So uh, I recommend you get our all-cap growth uh, thing. Also, our, our inf- energy, power, and infrastructure. The conference preview is really what you got to read. And I highly suggest that. This electric car th- situation is not going to happen unless they increase the infrastructure of our electrical companies for a long, long time to come. And I don't think energy is going to, I think energy, it's a a technical thing where you, you have a long downtrend, you break out, and usually you come back and test. Well, commodities broke out and then Ukraine hit. So they went, they got overextended to the upside. So I think the correction this time is going to be greater than most people anticipate, but I do think you want to know about global energy, power, and infrastructure. And if you don't, you want to get, uh, you know, you want to get our information. Here's another thing I think is going to be really, really important going forward. And you know what? I talked about software stocks. Most of them went up two, three hundred percent when we talked about them. We talked about the energy product and the infrastructure last year. All of those up until last week, when we a couple weeks ago, when we said energy would probably pull back we're we're up this year. You were up this year, okay? So we we've, we've done a pretty good job of telling you about the future. And one of the things you better be paying attention to is food security. If Ukraine, which is one of the breadbaskets of of Europe and Eastern Europe, is not able to grow wheat or soybeans, I think we're going to have a problem. So agritech is going to be a thing that we have to be concentrating on. And we have a report on that also. Okay. So I'll just leave it at that. Now, look, um, we made a low, a series of lower highs, and we were up big Thursday and Friday. Well, Thursday, we gave it all up at the end, Wednesday and Friday, I should say, but we haven't made a higher low yet. All right. So look, um, I think we're going to go down and test again. And (laughs) but there's been some trends that have changed and I think this is very important and I've repeated this 3 weeks in a row so I think it's extremely important number 1 the 40 year downtrend in the 10 year treasury yield yield now has been broken that ladies and gentlemen means that bonds are no longer in a bull market and if you have mutual funds that have leverage in your 401k, because most of the bond funds add a little leverage, you had better be careful, okay? You had better be careful. The second thing that happened is the dollar broke a downtrend dating back to 1984. That's a long time, folks. That's 36 years. So the dollar is no longer in a downtrend. That may be because our interest rates are going up. I don't know. doesn't have to stay that way, but for now it is. Which should mean commodities are going down, but commodities are the third thing <laughs> that broke out. And they've been in a downtrend since 2009. Now, that, that's fairly interesting. The other thing that's happening is the Shanghai Shenzhen CSI 300 index, which had been very, very overbought. and gets very, you know, in 2014, it got very overbought. And we said that on the show. We said it in 2007 that it was parabolic. We've come back to the uptrend line and started to turn a little bit, and it's just broken the short term downtrend line. So we'll see what happens there. So those are things that, you know, that the NASDAQ Golden Dragon China Index also has broken its downtrend line. That's a positive thing, okay, for China. So we'll see what happens going forward. And so, you know, as Tim sits here, uh, if I was in bonds, if I had bond mutual funds, I would be checking to see if they have leverage. And if they use more than 10% leverage, I'd be checking out for a while. Okay? That's Tim's recommendation. It's not necessarily RBC's recommendation. However, if I was buying CDs and I was looking out two to five years, I'd, I'd plug some in right now. Okay? CDs don't use any kind of leverage. You know, when bond funds do use leverage, it could be a problem, now look the next couple of rate hikes will be interesting to see how uh, the bond yields react if they if they stay down that means we've peaked okay then those bond funds won't be a bad place to be but for the time being you should be careful the second thing is if you're going to start to look for stocks Lori calvacina is a you know was a small cap strategist for six to seven years she's now our head strategist she knows small Small caps. They're very cheap right now. So, our all cap portfolio might be a good place to go. And then, of course, dividends. And there's a lot of ETFs, uh, and, and we, you know, dividends are still up. Dividend stocks are still up. Our dividend growth portfolio is still up. Not much, not a percentage point, but it's still up for the year. And we looked at all of them. And the other thing we looked at was how our uh, dividend growth portfolio and prime income list uh, did towards other products and, and we have outpaced them. So uh, now I know I got to say this for the lawyers, past, uh, performance doesn't need your, your future success. Okay. So, but I do think in general dividends are very, very important. You can't fake them folks. There's no way. All right. You can't fake them. So just remember that, uh, you, I think it's interesting that, uh, um, you know, the dividend stocks have held up, the oil stocks have held up. We recommended oil stocks on this show last year in March. In March. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, let's take a break and uh, we'll be right back. Remember, if you have a question, the number here is 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. Stay tuned.
1: Now that I've got your attention, let me tell
3: you all about us. Whoa, tough crowd. Anybody out there? Hello, anyone? Fighting to be heard in today's competitive digital world?
0: It's time for Salem Surround. Let us handle everything and get your
1: message seen and heard.
3: Let's turn up the volume on your business with Salem Surround.
1: Visit surroundcleveland.com today. That's surroundcleveland.com. Eating, working, living pain-free, these are a few of the things many of us take for granted. Yet, for many United States military veterans, finding and affording oral health care is a challenge many of us don't think about. Dental Lifeline Network is looking for dentists who can change this. DLN is asking dentists and their teams to volunteer to see one veteran with special needs one time per year. Visit willyouseeonevet.org to learn more. That's
3: willyouseeonevet.org. Ben Shapiro explains the distraction. They look at inflation is really bad. Blame the president. Blame Congress. They look at crime is really bad. Blame Congress. Democrats right now are looking down the barrel of a 2022 election that's going to be awful and terrible for them. And they're looking for an issue that is not inflation, that is not the economy, that is not crime. They're looking for issues that are not illegal immigration or even Ukraine. They're looking for something that is going to galvanize their base and get them out to the polls. The
0: Ben Shapiro Show, Saturdays from 3 to 6 p.m. on AM 1420. The answer.
2: Or on iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Hey, uh back just tuned in this is smart investor show i'm tim hayes and i believe we have jason on the line jason how are you
3: hey i'm doing good tim thanks for taking my call what's new hey I, yeah, not too much man um this day it's nice and warm
2: there we go <laughs> hey,
3: I, yeah hey i wanted to just uh, i just wanted to get your thoughts on something so a lot of people are saying that uh, the fed is going to be able to bring down inflation by raising interest rates and, and quantitative tightening by reducing the balance sheet. And I agree with you that the M2 money supply going up 40% is, is a big contributor, but I think one of the factors that people are overlooking is the amount of inflation the Fed is going to really have a hard time getting rid of, and that's the food and energy. And, and, and I think the war in Ukraine disrupting the fertilizer uh, the wheat, soybeans, like you talked about, and also the oil that's used in, in diesel to gener- to bring this food and basically every good we have to market. The Fed cannot fix the food and energy, or the, the food and energy inflation, which is probably at least 20% of the inflation. So let's say the Fed gets it down to 6% uh, inflation, maybe maybe a little little less than that. If they have to raise interest rates and keep them, above that, which is the Taylor rule, right about 1% above the inflation number, we are not going to be able to service the interest on the debt at the 6% inflation, our interest rate. We wouldn't even be able to pay the interest. So, I guess the long-term health of this country is, is really, in my opinion, in peril. And the fact is, these oil companies and natural gas companies, they are not going to invest. Because whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, they know their days are numbered. Why would you not pay down your debt and do stock buybacks when you know you're, you're not going to really be in a, in a favorable market ever again to, to, to generate profits? That's all I wanted to get your opinion on.
2: Well, uh, first of all, the Fed is, can't battle inflation because we had a 40% increase in the money supply due to the little package that the Democrats put out. Uh, I'm a Republican, by the way, for everybody out there. Um, second of all, what they're doing is they're, they're destroying demand, okay? Uh, that's what higher interest rates do. So does it affect inflation? Will it affect inflation? Uh, you know, we'll see, I guess. But they sure can destroy demand, okay? And they'll do that. All right, they're doing it already, and the problem is, is that nobody knows when they're going to stop. So that's destroying demand in the stock market and the bond market. But Jason, going back to what I just said, we've had three things change. Number one, the direction of interest rates have changed after 40 years of going down, and when you make that kind of change, it ain't going to go back anytime soon. I guarantee you that. Number two, commodities after a 15-year Decline and eighty percent decline have broken their downtrend line, and they ain't going back to a downtrend anytime soon. And the dollar the same way. Now, as interest rates go up, the dollar goes up. Okay, so we're, we've got some problems going ahead. There's no doubt about it. But there's always problems. <laughs> uh, you know, yep. look like, back back in 1961 and 62, we had 13 nuclear warheads 100 oh. miles from Miami Beach. Okay, that's a problem. So there's always going to be problems, and the good news is is that based on past, and I was just about to go into this, on the past, the long view, bull markets have last 16 to 18 years. And remember, we had a crash in '87. That was when Greenspan raised rates three times by half a percent. Um, you know, he was he was fighting inflation, so it, there's, yeah. But well, then we have demand. the green
3: but then we have the Greenspan put. I mean, hasn't the Fed backstopped the market ever since 87? And they're not there to do it anymore. They're not buying the bonds, the mortgage-backed securities now, and they're, they're going to let the interest rate, they have to raise the interest rates to try to fight this inflation.
2: Yeah, so basically, bonds are not a good investment yet until they peak in yield, all right? That may be a while. So uh, it, it does limit your investment choices, and that's why I've been talking about dividend growth you, know, you can't fake a dividend. So if you have a, a 3% dividend, it grows 6% a year, and you get 5% on the upside of your stock, you make 8%, you're staying up with inflation, and you're catching up with it once it starts to decline. So, yeah, there's problems. Yeah, plenty of them. So <laughs> it's, well, they're not yeah, going the, away the, anytime the, soon.
3: Yeah, yeah. no, it's great, great hearing your advice yeah. um, out there, Tim, and it's good talking with you.
2: All right, have a great day. See you. All right, you too. So anyway... Anyway, so what I saw Friday, uh, and or Wednesday and Friday, I should say, is that I saw some of the, the, uh, the economic rebound stocks start to, to pick up, the cruise lines, things like that. Uh, some of the airlines have been hit. Um, so that's really interesting. And I think all eyes right now are on technology, and uh, technology's relative strength has been kind of down and out. So it'll be interesting to see if technology can – can turn. I'm, I'm looking at stuff like Microsoft that's sitting right at its 50-day moving average, and and uh, you know whether it's going to pick up or or go. So, you know, it, we have a lot of things uh, going on that uh, a lot of people are probably uh, you know worried about. Now, look, Friday, I think the bulls said enough is enough. Okay, and if you notice, uh, uh, J.P. Morgan put out a report that they thought that the traders had 40% cash. Now, I noticed the PPO, if you don't know what that is, you should, uh, if you're trading your own money or you're investing your own money, crossed over, which is positive. And we had the third gap down rule on the S&P 500 just recently. We had three gaps down. And usually that's the exhaustive gap. So I suggest that we'll have some kind of rally. How How big it will be, I don't know. But the stochastics are below 20. If you don't know what stochastic is, once again, I, I would suggest that have somebody else manage your money for you. So we, we have some things out there that are, are occurring uh, that, you know, I, I think people don't get. Uh, now, some people ask, is, is this a technical bounce or a bullish breakout? And look, uh, first of all, I don't think we're going to know that for a couple, three months. I think it'll take a couple, three months. You know, the University of Michigan's uh, consumer sentiment plunged to 50 on Friday. That's a very low number. Uh, it has not been there since the early 1980s, 1981, 1982. Um, and uh, you know, since we had some politics go on Friday, uh, things things are going to get kind of crazy. I think uh, going forward. So, just remember, if, in the long run, okay, if we go back to when Wall Street was started. Bull markets have lasted about 16 to 18 years. All right. And, uh, you know, the last one, the, the last, it, it, even in, as early as, you know, uh, 1912 was when the, the, the first big bull market started. It ran to 1929. Obviously, you know what happened after that. But in 1910 was when Roosevelt gave J.P. Morgan, who's kind of the first Fed chief, a bunch of money from the oil profits. To fix the trust. The trusts were leveraged to the hilt and they were getting killed and they were just about to declare bankruptcy and Wall Street would have been Zippo. But that happens. That's, you know, capitalism goes to the edge sometimes because people get greedy or stupid, one of the two. But we had a 17 year period after 29 of deflation. Then we had a 17 year period of reflation. Then we had inflation in the 70s. Then we had disinflation in the 80s and 90s. Then we had deflation again, and now we're reflating. So look, if you look, and the average bull market, even the 29 bull market, uh, you know that, that went 2,350%, but the average bull market in the S&P 500 goes about 2,300. If we go to 2,000, it will be about 13,500 to 14,000 on the S&P 500. So just remember that. But we're in the middle of a four-year cycle, and we had a large move up in the first year of the four year cycle, which means you can have a large move down just to get back things, things back to normal. And the S&P, you know, if you look at the S&P 500, what we do, we we do is we look at the four 13 month moving averages. Uh, Those, those are important because, you know, like on the show at 2009, I said, we were at a generational low by the market. It was on March. I think it was sixth of two of uh, 2009. The reason was, was, You know, if you look at things and you look at things on a statistical basis, you've always going to regress to the mean. And we were so far below the mean, we were going to pull up. Now, we were pretty far above the mean back a year, about six months ago. And I said that, okay on the show. And I said we were at the top of the charts and et cetera. Now, the NASDAQ was actually above its uptrend line, which is usually a negative thing. So, look, we've made a couple of lower highs three of them to be exact, until we make a higher low, we're not out of this, okay? However, you know, there's some really good companies that are down a lot, so you pick away at them, all right? Companies are always trying to do better, just remember that. And with the amount of cash on the sidelines and the number of bears out there, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm here in... You know, twenty five hundred on the S and P now, and I don't think it's going to get there. I think it's going to be a tough couple of months. But the point is, is the bears are back up above fifty five percent, and the bulls are back below twenty nine or twenty percent. So uh, people are starting to get bearish again, and and so you'll probably have a rally, and then we'll come back and test. Now, one of the things I, I would suggest, yeah, uh, I would suggest is that the Russell 2000 is about to break out on relative strength versus the NASDAQ and the S&P. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with a bullish percent. This is Smart Investor Show.
4: Now let's be honest. Aren't we always honest? We say we're straight-talking plumbers. I meant bluntly honest. Okay, gotcha. If you're a first-rate plumber, you can write your own ticket to work anywhere you want. And we want you for why it works. So here's why you should choose us. One, no on-call. Because family time is sacred. Two, family first, and we'll work with your schedule. What good is raise a family money without quality time with the family? Three, we've got a truck waiting for you. And ya. it's a sweet rolling warehouse of a truck. Four, mom's breakfast every Tuesday. And it's so good. Six, we're growing, and you can grow with us. You want to move up, you can with us. Seven, we'll teach you to wallock a doodle. And we'll teach you how to spell it. Eight, no on call. Uh, you already said that. Oh, because it's important. Five, work with the best plumbers and for the best customers in Cleveland. Oh, that is a biggie. Yeah, I should have put that first. Or at least between four and six. Anyway, if that sounds good to you, hit us up at WyattWorks.com. License number 30185.
3: This is Hugh Hewitt for Town Hall Review. If you're like me, you want more than just facts. You want insight from people you trust. People like Dennis Prager, Larry Elder, Mike Gallagher, and of course me, your host each week on the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. A weekly roundup of the news. Tune in each week and visit our website at townhallreview.com where we give you what you need in today's fast-changing world. That's townhallreview.com. Saturday and Sunday
1: at 5 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer.
2: Close your eyes and I'll kiss you tomorrow. Okay. We're back. You know, uh, I was just going to mention that if, if you want to get in the material or would you like to sit down and, and talk about your portfolio or a wealth plan? Cause you know, I'm a big fan of plan. Uh, you know, if you don't have a plan, you're in trouble. On, if you go to WHK 1420, go down to the local podcast, down to the smart investor show, you can go right to my webpage. And on the insight their insight banner, which is on the top end of the page, there are five suggestions of how you can get, start your financial planning process. And I highly recommend it. And a wealth plan. We can now do a wealth plan for prospective clients. Okay. So if you'd like to uh, see how it works, please let us know. We'll send you out a, a questionnaire. Also on there, there's all sorts of good information. Rob Schleimer's you know, he may be one of the better technicians in the world, and he has his trend in cycle, the what they call roadmap. And on on the second page, the the information is constantly changing, constantly changing. It's good stuff. Uh, it also has make it really easy that if you hear anything like on uh, that you heard on the show, like food security, infrastructure package, package the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list. Uh, on the insight page, there's a thing you just put your name and address, click. Okay, and if you want to have a cup of coffee or you'd like to sit down and talk to me, uh, it'd be a great idea. So now we talk about the bullish percent, and and uh, we're going to talk about some technical stuff. Our friends at Dorsey Wright provide us with this, and uh, the Nasdaq actually bought them. Tom Dorsey and Watson Wright, I believe, are retiring. Uh, one of the things uh, we've seen is that the, when the Nasdaq composite it, now it's only a hundred stocks. Okay. This is the bullish percent for the NASDAQ 100, I'm sorry. Um, when it gets down below 20, you know, you, you should pay attention, okay? So the bullish percent goes from zero to 100. And when you get over 70, that's where we were last year. Everything's overbought. That's when you should pause. And, you know, if you're one of my clients, you haven't heard a lot of new ideas from me uh, in the last year, all right? And then when we get below 30, now things are getting interesting. Now, the, one of the things you have to do is wait for maybe it to break over 30 and then come back. But the NASDAQ the Nasdaq 100 is below 20, or was below 20, and it broke above 20 on Friday. That's kind of positive. And look, it doesn't happen very often, only 21 times since 2000. And the short term is not that great. Okay, only 46% of the time. Does it, you know, have a real big positive impact? But the long term, a twelve-year period of time, it's really uh, significant. The average return is about eighteen and a half percent. So I'm watching that very closely. Um, I I, I keep people keep asking me about Bitcoin and all that stuff. I'm 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 not going to comment on anymore because I I don't follow it and uh, I'm not sure what to tell you. Now the the bullish percent uh, finished the week at twenty was down 8.5%. Uh, and then on Friday, it reversed. Well, the, the S&P 500 bullish percent reversed up, okay? Uh, so it's now at 24.8. So it was up 4% on Friday. That's pretty significant. The over-the-counter index uh, still is, by, by the way, it's over-the-counter index is the the. the Bullish percent in the column of Xs, that means we have the offensive team on the field. When it breaks over 30, that's when you want to get very involved, okay? Uh, so now what you should be doing is picking stocks that you like and buying a small amount of them. So if you're a 500-share buyer, buy 100, maybe 200, okay? Find good companies, high quality. And then in the over-the-counter index, uh, we hit 2480 on Friday. Uh, and we're still in the column of O's. We'll, we'll get there uh, when we hit 26, which we're very close to. And the world index is still in the column of O's, and we won't get to, to a, a positive thing till we hit 32. So you want to probably stay away from the, the, uh, the O's. But look, come on, if you look at the dynamic asset level investing, which our friends at Dorsey Wright talk about, and all it is is you follow the money. Okay, relative strength investing. Commodities are still number one, even with oil sell-off. Cash is number two. Domestic equities are number three. Remember, for the last five, six years, domestic equities have been very, you know, important, okay? International equities are not a favorite group, and fixed income is not a favorite group, and currencies are not a favorite group right now. So uh, the only three, you know, commodities obviously have the most votes, and uh, cash has the second most, and they're 20, 20 votes ahead of uh, domestic equities. So that's a rare occurrence. Uh in a bull market, but it does happen. And so I, I think, it, look, if you're thinking the next three months, you shouldn't be in the market. You should be on the sidelines. I've got a lot of cash, a lot of cases. Uh, got a couple of clients with, who need a little bit more cash and I've been waiting for some kind of rally, not a three-day rally like we had a couple of weeks ago. But um, you know, if you look at the pound versus the S&P 500, the British pound, um, it, it went to a positive relative strength, and if I look at the Euro Trust, it went to a positive relative strength versus the IShares Midcap Index. So that that's it's interesting because what it tells me is a relative uh, relative improvement can occur when two securities being compared are showing you know absolute price deterioration. So the S and P 500. And the Russell 2000 mid-cap are showing deterioration versus currencies. So, you know, that's currencies may be picking up. I don't know. We'll find out. But uh, So if we look at dynamic asset level investing, we look at a sector, you know, we're talking just stocks now. Energy is still number one, even with the pullback last week. Basic materials are number two. Consumer non-cyclical, i.e. staples, are number three. Financials are number four, although it's been... I mean, uh, you know, Berkshire Hathaway's down like a hundred bucks. Okay. Uh, utilities are next. Industrials are next. Now, dead last are communication services, which picked up drastically on Friday. That's where the money was flowing, communication services. Uh, it's got a big thing in metaverse, or, or which used to be Facebook. And consumer cyclicals are second to last, not much activity there. And healthcare. Healthcare gained a bunch of, of votes, so... Uh, you know, I talked about our health care conference and I'll t- try to recommend it again. But, uh, you know, healthcare has been down and out for seven years, longest period of time ever. We're starting to see a bid. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of rumors out there of takeovers and we've seen a couple takeovers and that may be the start of something. Who knows? Now, I- I've been a- asked many a time uh, about uh, the EEM and those type of things. I don't have a lot of foreign countries that are biased. Uh, you know, Norway is, but it's made basically because of three stocks. Indonesia is, but it's basically because of five stocks. Canada is because it's of, of, you know, basic materials and oil. And then uh, Peru, Colombia, and Mexico. And I haven't checked into those. in the Czech Republic, for some reason, is too. So I haven't seen a lot of them. The 10-year Treasury yields just, I mean, they, they hit 352. Uh, on, and in a week, in three days, actually, are back to 30, you know, 3.125. So that's a, you know, are, are we done raising rates? I don't know, but it's sure what they're telling us is that uh, we probably have a recession coming. Because when you raise rates and rates go down, that's the market telling the Fed, hey, maybe you've done too much. Who knows? We'll find out. Okay. Uh, the crude oil has been negative for a couple weeks. Uh, I, I suggest that that weakness will probably go. Through July, and then they'll start thinking about the fall season, uh, and you know you got hurricanes coming and all that sorts of stuff. The only commodity I've seen that's been positive has has been gold. And and if you look at gold versus copper, uh, you know, or copper versus gold, copper's been on a relative strength buy signal that went away this week. Uh, gold is now the place to be. I'm not sure, you know, does it go down less? Who knows? But you know, the energy sector is posted a 17% loss last week. Uh, that's a lot. So crude oil got beat up pretty bad. Uh, you know, we went from 120, uh, 125, I think it was, to down to 104, 101 at one point this week. And the energy spider se- uh, you know, the XLE, which was way up there, was like in the uh, 90s, is now back to 74 right close to its uptrend line. So we'll see if that holds, uh, if the uptrend holds or not. Uh, but it should be a, a very interesting time going forward, uh, you know, based on that. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. And I, I just, you know, I would suggest that, as Jason said, interest rates could go higher. Okay? You know, when you break a 40-year downtrend in interest rates, I don't think you're going back to, to la-la land. Okay? The Fed's going to have to keep rates high in order uh, to keep our deficit from blowing up, uh, and that's a, that's a problem. And, you know, look, one of the things, if you look at 10-year yields versus uh, the year-over-year inflation, the CPI, CPI is way up there. The question is, will it turn down? Is it a peak? Uh, now, we haven't seen numbers like this since the, the uh, early 80s, 70s, you know, that type of thing. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if it comes back, you know, and, and whole, you know, comes back to a normal level. But I, I don't think it's going back to the, the 0% inflation anymore, all right? And the government's going to find out that we have to cut the deficit pretty drastically. The dollar did break out, and and um, so did the 10-year the Treasury. Now, the 10-year Treasury came back hard, so that should mean that the dollar, because the dollar, you know, is based on our interest rates. And if our interest rates are going up, that's why you buy the dollar. Uh, copper futures did break down. Now, commodity, Commodities, like I said, commodities broke their downtrend line dating back to 2009. And that's important. Uh, and they, they were starting to pull back when the Ukrainian situation hit, and then they spiked again. So I think they're going to pull back a little bit farther than everybody anticipates. But one of the things that I think are key is the relative strength versus the S&P 500 has reversed a downtrend that began in 2008. The big positive. So I think commodities are going to change things a little bit. And, you know, we talked about value versus growth for years on the show, and the Federal Reserve kind of screwed us up. Well, actually, the pandemic screwed up the Federal Reserve, so they screwed up my call. Uh, But I think that is starting to happen now, okay? So uh, it'll be fairly interesting. Gold still looks like a long-term cup and handle formation to me. If you don't know what that is, you should read uh, Bill O'Neill. Uh, so we'll see what happens going forward. I don't know uh, if, you know, we're going to see you know what's going on. Now, somebody asked me via email just two seconds ago, Tim, what do you think is going to happen? I think the key technical reasons, there's one more low coming, okay? And then but I think you know when you hit that low, you want to buy some more. So what I think we'll do is we'll do a we'll do a bounce, and then we'll come back and and uh, you know we'll get whacked. So I think the commodity weakness is broadening, but it, it'll probably bottom out in late July. Hey, let's let's take a break. Remember, if you have a question, the number is 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. We'll be right back inside the fire. I'm not content. To be with
3: you in the daytime. Planning a funeral
1: can be a complex and difficult process Anthony Previtt and the experienced professionals at Orlando Donsante Sante Previtt Funeral Home are here to support you through this difficult time. We offer a wide range of personalized services to suit your family's wishes and needs. You can count on us to help you plan a personal, lasting tribute to your loved one. To learn more, you can call our owner and funeral director, Anthony, anytime at 440-943-2466 or visit us at orlandodonsanteprevittfh.com. FH.com.
0: Reflections. A weekly half hour of spiritual insight with Father Don Fisher, Catholic priest of the Diocese of Dallas. Father Fisher will be reflecting on the liturgy of the word this week.
1: Join us every Sunday morning at 6 a.m. here on AM 1420 The Answer. WHKradio.com, radio.com, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey.com.
2: Okay, we're back. You know, we're, we're going to talk about insiders now. And so, you know, what we, we do every week, just so you know, is we start with a strategy piece and we work our way down. Okay? Uh, so we then we talk about some different industries and uh, dividends and, and, and wealth plans and things like that. And then we make our way to some, you know, actionable, possible actionable ideas. All right? So, look, I'm not telling you what to buy. If you work with me, I'll tell you what to buy or I'll suggest what to buy. Uh, but uh, insiders know their companies better than we do. That's simple. So uh, I'll just leave it at that and uh, just say that they're usually early. Uh, so Wave Life Sciences, this is an interesting one uh, because it's RA Capital Management, who's pretty smart biotech money. And they bought 9.4 million shares to tune a $20 million at 215 So this is for all you guys that like to gamble. All right, and the other one is uh, Day One Biofarm, and this is Michael Gladstone, and, and and this is interesting because I believe they bought a couple. There was a couple different purchases of it this week, uh, and he bought eleven million dollars, and he bought it a new high. You know, so this thing gapped up big, uh, from six dollars to, uh, and he paid fifteen bucks for it, uh, the day the day he bought it was a new high. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, and also higher right holdings, uh, is, is a, staffing uh, staff and employment service. And James Carey bought, uh, last week, remember he bought $7 million worth. Well, he bought another $6 million worth, uh, this week. And then, uh, he, he you know, he's bought like five or six times. So, uh, you know, he's, he's been buying quite a bit. Also, um, uh, Solar Rock Holdings, which is biotechnology, you know, has been killed. It's like a $16 stock is now 5.96. When it hit 4.90, uh, Amir Nashat, uh, who's a director, bought a million, 1.1 million shares, which is like 5.8 million dollars. So you like seeing that. And here's a solar uh, thing. I did, you know, I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. I saw some some bottoming process in some of the like the solar and some of the alternative energy stocks, and. Uh, Renee Solar. Uh, we had Shaw Capital Management, uh, which is pretty smart money, by 492,000 shares of 2.2 2 million dollars. And then Plains All American Pipeline. You know, this thing was 12 bucks. It's now like 8.90, or uh, I, I, I think it's up to nine bucks now. Uh, Kevin McCarthy. That's a pretty smart money in the in uh, in the oil business. He bought 200,000 dollars or 200,000 shares, two and one point four million. And then uh, we had Adapt Health, which is Skylight Arrow Holdings. It's pretty smart money, too. They bought 100,000 shares, $1. $1.6 And then Blackstone Mortgage Trust. That's interesting because those, all those mortgage companies got killed. It was 32, I uh, paid 26 for it. Uh, he bought 40,000 shares to the tune of $1,000 worth, $1 million worth, I'm sorry. And Dave Fader, who's a director at uh, Federal Realty Trust, another mortgage guy, uh, he bought a million dollars with the stock. And then we had another one, Next Point Residential Trust, who bought a million dollars worth. And I think that's interesting. Now, we, uh, sh- uh, I'm sorry, Sol Capital also bought uh, another $600,000 worth of uh, um, Renee Solar about a week ago. But here's a couple names that I've been seeing sell. And I'm just going to talk about. We had uh, uh, Bruce Evans, who's a director at Analog Devices. Uh, They've been generally selling for the last year or so. Uh, I noticed he bought half a million dollars worth of stock. And I also know that they they keep buying uh, enterprise products. And enterprise products was $28 stocks, now 24. And one of the directors um, bought about half a million dollars worth. And, uh, And finally, Jay Farmer, who's the chief executive officer of Rocket Mortgage, continues to buy. He bought about 600,000, $800,000 worth of stock last week or yeah, last week. And he's, he's probably bought about six or 7 million of rocket mortgage. So he's getting very bullish on it. And then finally, Opco, uh, Gary Nebel bought $600,000 worth of stock. And you know, Dr. Frost, who's the, the chairman of the board, he bought another 200,000 shares this week. Uh, he's CEO and chairman. And he's, he's probably bought, uh, five or $6 million in the last week, but it's very good. You know, Gary Nebel is the chief innovation officer. So I'm not sure what that means, but, um, you know, you should probably be paying attention. So, uh, I just, I just had Mark email me and he said, Tim, what did you say right before the, uh, the end of the last segment? And I said, uh, by the way, you can, you know, if you go to local podcasts and go to smart investor show, you can hear this all again, but I said I think we could have a bounce and then go down and test the low one more time. And we could make a lower low because the Fed's going to raise interest rates. But not all stocks are going to bottom at the same time. is what I'm saying, Mark, okay? So, you know, buy you, you buy a little bit here, buy a little bit here and you'll get this rounded bottom and that's the best way to buy stock, is, you know, buy a little bit little, little bit and then when it breaks out you're there and then, you know, you can decide if you want to buy more. But I think part of the problem, you know, one of the things that's been holding up the market is the commodity stocks, the oil stocks, and they're starting to get beat up. I mean, you know, Exxon was down 17% last week. Chevron was, you know, Warren Buffett paid 167 for it. I think it hit 140 Friday, uh, or Thursday. Uh, So I, I think the commodity stocks will probably take us to a lower low. Now, during that period of time, you don't know if technology stocks are going to start to break out. I mean, I've been seeing a lot of small double bottoms and, and some software stocks that I like. Um, and I own some of them. I got beat up in a couple of them. So uh, I think that's going to be a pretty uh, an interesting time. Um, Fang was holding, the Fang stocks were holding up, um, but they, they started to give it up just last week. So we'll find out if they can hold up from here. I would highly recommend, uh, you know, back in May, I talked about our global healthcare conference and, uh, the updates from the day one, day one were fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Um, so, what would I? Somebody asked me, "What would I be doing?" Uh, well, look, I think you want to buy dividends, okay? High quality and dividends. But I also think you got to pay attention to the all-cap list that we have, because I think small caps you know, may participate here because they've done nothing since 2014, but go down. You know, biotechnology has just got creamed. And a lot of these companies have life-saving technology. And people have been shorting them to the ground because there's been no bids. It's just been safer to be in fangs. Well, fang may take a risk. Who knows? You know, they're good companies. They're all great companies in there. But it's been too easy. And usually when it gets too easy in the stock market, you got to pay close attention. So look, Go to WHK fourteen twenty AM. Okay, and uh, go to local podcast down the Smart Investor Show. I highly recommend that you look into the Insight area, and uh, you know I, I think it's important because there's uh, there's some good stuff on there. Um, you know, it, it's it's amazing what you can find on some of these web pages. Uh, but there's there's all sorts of stuff about uh, you know, well, I mean, for example you know, you can get um information on uh our you know, we have five steps to finance, to get a financial plan started and uh we have all sorts of information and it changes every week. So I highly recommend you get, you know, hit the webpage once or twice a week. If you want in the material I talk about, this little thing right there says, you know, fills out your name and address and sends it to us. I'll even set you up on our newsletter, which I think uh you know, newsletter. It talks about financial stuff. You need to know that doesn't necessarily have to do with the stock market. That's good stuff. I also send out emails, that I'm working on one next week um, that are are good stuff. And uh, I don't harass you. <laughs> uh, if you want to do business with me, you'll do business with me. That's the way I look at it. So, uh, but I do think there's a lot of uh, stuff that people don't pay attention to that we can you know that we ship out to people on a pretty regular basis. So, uh, but. The dividend growth portfolio is a good place to look right now. I kind of stay away from the staples because they're up. I look at the stocks that are down. You know, you buy yield when it's up, not when it's down, okay? Uh, so the prime income list has a lot of stocks that are up, but the, the utilities, the energy stocks are starting to pull back. You know, there's some great dividends on some of those. And when, when they get to their bottom, we'll pay close attention. Some of them have undercut, okay? So what you have is an uptrend line. They down, They break below it and then they rally above it the next day. got to see if they hold before you go out and buy any of the energy stocks, I think. So that's what I would be doing, okay? I'd be looking at the all-cap list. The all-cap list, because if Lori's right, and she usually is, and the small caps start to participate after seven years or eight years of non-participation, believe me, small caps can make you a lot of money in a very short period of time. And uh, I highly recommend that. Now, if you want to sit down and uh, talk about your portfolio, start a wealth plan. Remember, you don't have to be a client. Start a wealth plan here. OK, we can get that started for you and, and uh, we'll, we'll send the questionnaire to you. Uh, it works fairly well, by the way, uh, especially when you're in playground. In the meantime, have a great weekend. I'm going to go hit the little white ball around. If you uh, want to stay in touch, you know how to do it now. Go to WHK 1420 down the Smart Investor Show to my webpage. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Remember, buy low, sell high.
0: program's views, claims, or representations may not Thanks reflect those of AM 1420, The Answer, or Salem Media
1: Group. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.
0: Is AM 1420 The Answer, a service of Salem Media Group.